Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. Welcome to an episode that is basically just a big shout out for a couple of members of the Breaking the Bad community who have gone above and beyond. Be hearing from them in a couple of seconds. But first, to set a little bit of context, we are, of course, talking about the first real race we've had in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia for goodness knows how long. The recently held Trails Plus non-stop ultra backyard marathon. Mouthful. Andrew, what was your impressions of this year's event? Oh, look, um, <laughs> it went it went by really quickly for me. Oh, really? Yeah, you couldn't find it as long as last time? It didn't happen, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, do you know, for those of you paying attention at home, uh, I didn't actually attend this year's Backyard Ultra. I had full intentions on kind of going, if not for the entire run like I did last year, but at least for a few laps of it. But I just completely, like... I blanked. I, I see all of a sudden that Zach and Daryl and Nicola have done this thing. And I'm like, what, what, when did this happen? I didn't realize it was this past weekend. So that was a lot of fun. Um, so the, the good news is you improved on last year's performance of disappearing in the middle of the night to sleep by simply not turning up at all. Well, yeah, exactly. So you, I, I didn't, I didn't sleep for any of your laps. Or I, that's I, good. You didn't mismanage our expectations because there were none. There were so none. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, We'll introduce our, our guests for this show now. Um, the first of them, he's been on the podcast before the last time he did his longest ever run, so we thought we might as well have him back every time he does a longest ever run. Uh, it's Daryl Smith. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being on here. Appreciate you being and here. And then the, the other guest is the one who really went above and beyond, who we really wanted to get onto this thing. Uh, she is the true champion uh, and the shout-out. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Nicola Wright. Thank you very much. I think we're all champions. Everybody that did that event was great. Yeah, Just like everyone gets a medal at the Olympics, but only one of them gets the gold. And that was you this time, Nicola, which we'll get to in a second. Um, So let's let's tell our listeners uh, what you all did. So Daryl, longest ever nonstop ultra for you. How many kilometres did you end up doing? So I think technically we um, we stopped at 60, somewhere like that. But according to, because we didn't finish the last loop, so we stopped um, before that. But uh, I think it was 64 Ks was the run. Over about eight and a half hours. I think Correct. over actual uh, time. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And Nicola, you went a little bit better than that. Uh, now, here's the time to boast. Tell everyone what you did on your first ever ultra marathon, I believe. Yes, first ever ultramarathon. Uh, again, with all the different things that you have with Strava and Garmin's and all that kind of stuff, it all varies. Um, I finished on the 15th lap, which officially was 100.5 kilometres. Um, uh, my Garmin stuck at 99 point something. Oh, that, um, and that. so I had a little lap of Lana around the car park with Zach to get me over the 100K and to get all my little stats on all the computers up to 100K. Freaking Garmin. Isn't that, that Zach, didn't that happen to you last year as well? You you did that extra kind of... Yeah, but mine was, I simply forgot to start my, my watch at like two o'clock in the morning, whereas Nicola's was genuine, just, you know, GPS inaccuracy. So mine was dumb user error. So what's that like? Like, okay, so you finished it. You're at ninety nine point six. Is that like the most frustrating thing in the world, knowing that you can't just be done with it, or did you just not care? At the point? I knew on that last lap that I was going to have to add some on. Yeah. So I was, I was in the space for that. That wasn't a, 
100 K was more important than the 15 laps really. So yeah, um, yeah it was good. And was that your kind of, was that your goal from the beginning to hit that uh, mark? Um, I would, I probably set myself about seven goals. Um, <laughs> I knew the Brimbank Hill and I knew that it was gonna um, not be, ha I wouldn't be happy on it. So I was comfortable setting myself a marathon I'd also in training done 56K. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was looking at 56K and I think that works out to eight laps, doesn't it? So yeah. then I was like, my next one for that, you may as well try and go to 10 laps. And then if you've done 10 laps, you may as well go to 12. And then if you do 12 laps, you do 15. So absolutely, Zach set the bar last year when he did his 15 laps that I knew that I knew somebody that could do that. Um, and I was comfortable. So 15 was probably my outside seventh ultimate, ultimate goal. Um, but I certainly wasn't confident about doing that at all. Um, just so many things, a stumble, the headlight, tummy, all those kind of things. So I set myself little staggered um, tick offs throughout the thing. Well, it's, it's an amazing thing to me when I started first running um long distances, all those little things that do come into play that you don't really think about until you start running long distance, like the toilet, like your nutrition, like your, um, just every little thing. It's like, oh, wow, that niggle is fine. But in 15 kilometers, what's that going to feel like? Um, yeah. The best thing about this Brimbank course was you went past, I think, Nicola, how many times did you go past the toilet on a lap? Six times. It was great. And it just took that confidence that you didn't have to, um, that if you were ever in the bother, you were going to be sorted. Um, and so it takes away, it reduces some of that angst as well. Just one of those realities of running. And Carol, so what was your goal going in? Sorry. Yeah, so I set myself a goal. I wanted uh, 10 loops. That was sort of what I was after. So, um, and I think we got pretty close to that. Technically, I'm going to take that because we finished, we didn't actually do the last, uh, what about a K of the last loop. So we were pretty close. Yeah. Daryl's throwing we in there because I also managed to do the same distance as Daryl, um, you know, coming up just a little bit short of 10 loops. And we, I think it was funny because we got to the finish line at the end of that second loop. You do th three loops three loops yep. on the lap. So at the end of the second loop of the lap we were on, it was 55 minutes and we crossed the line and we said to the organizer, we're out. And I don't think he realized that we hadn't done the last loop. He thought that we were just pulling the pin with like still five minutes to go. And he kind of had a look at us to say, what are you doing? And mm. we're like, no, we're, we're a K and a half short at this point. And there's no way we can do that in five minutes. So we're out at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so Daryl, in your preparation for this, you'd done a, I think you and I at your place did like, you did a 57 or something, didn't you? Prep as well? Yeah, we did, did a 56. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. that was good. But that was, I was going through the stats again this morning to have a look at it. We did a 56 at the end of November and then that was my longest run. I hadn't done anything long. I did a marathon the next week and then strained a hamstring. And then that was my longest run since early December. So I hadn't done anything long since then. So entirely the preparation was just, was wrong. Um, How do you feel about like with that all kind of, coming because of course those are definitely not you know ideal circumstances do you feel pretty good about it or do, are you kind of hoping that or wishing that it was it was a different result uh i'd love to have to go on further definitely yeah. love to have gone further but i think the way i was feeling without the the long runs in my training was i was like 10 uh, 10 loops was my, my goal and i got there so i was pretty happy with that but it definitely um i think with some more training and and changing what i'm doing i've got a different goal for next year already so 
Nicola, talk about your training um, because I think you really used the last year or so to transform the way you run. Yeah. So, COVID. <laughs> We've heard of it. We've okay. mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. So, 2020 was going to be my year. Yeah. Um, it was my 50th birthday. It was my 20th wedding anniversary. It was going to be my 10th marathon. Um, we were going to go to Hawaii. We had 26 people of WinFit, Point Cook Runners, Altona Beach Babes. Everybody signed up to go to uh, uh, Hawaii. People had paid for fares and everything. So it was always going to be the major event was December the 13th. And But I have always been interested in ultras, you know, listen to Zach, all that kind of stuff. If people have seen me on Messenger, whenever there's a backyard ultra going on, I'm going, the Indians are still going, the Mexicans mm. are still going. Mm. I am really interested in mm. just that mindset um, mm. of that kind of stuff. But it didn't really pay that much attention to it. And I just, um, just really continued to work hard throughout um, 2020. Um, I had a Garmin coach. Um, um, so I've got that. So I used Amy Parkinson Mitchell for a half marathon to get my pace up during 2020. And then I used Hal Higdon um, to do the full marathon for um, which I was still determined we would get to Hawaii. I am one of the deniers of COVID restrictions <laughs> and lockdowns. Um, and it if there's any happen. way you can get there, you were going to get there. Yeah, I was, yeah. you know, I was going to use my British passport not to be Australian, to have to ask permission to leave the country, anything, but it didn't happen. But I think that was the thing. It was really structured, um, working on that. And um, I was also interested in the Clint Eastwood, uh, which is the backyard ultra that happens in Brisbane, which is probably the most uh, popular one in Australia at the moment. And I managed to enter that one for next, for August, 2021. Mm -hmm. So it's in my head and they sell out on the same day. Um, mm, wow. So I'm registered, there's a wait list already. But I still used 2020 to get to my marathon and my time for Tokyo Marathon was uh, uh, four hours 37. And I was looking at four hours 20 for um, the equivalent Hawaii marathon thing. Um, and I did it and I got 428. And it was a hot day and I was I was pretty disappointed with that one because I knew I what I wanted. Mm. Um, and I just thought, well, hang on a minute. Um, and so two weeks later was Boxing Day and I thought, right, I'm going out again. Um, and this was the first time I'd ever done laps and loops. So I went out and did another marathon and got to 427. And I'm just like gutted about that as well. Um, but the, there was, a, there was a, th a thing in my head to go and do two loops. And this was the first time I'd ever done it. So on top of that, I then got back, did a loop, came back, lay down for eight minutes, did nothing more than just that rest and did another loop and got up to 56K. And it was like, actually, you know, this rest period for eight minutes or whatever in between loops is really good. And I got my 56 up. So that was probably the start. So Boxing Day was probably the start when I thought it right. Um, we can do Trials Plus that wasn't opening till February. Um, they, the opening date for that was really weird, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, or, really tight and yeah just um then continued to do some lap practice but it was um yeah the first time I'd really understood um what my body could do above and beyond a marathon which was amazing and is amazing for everybody to do first time yeah the concept of a backyard ultra the best line I've seen about it is it's not hard until it is 
Like a backyard ultra, if you're on top of things and you're lapping and you're feeling okay and the fuel's working, a backyard ultra is, you can go so much further than you would realize. But the second one thing goes wrong, it's really hard to pull it back, as we'll talk about in, in a bit. Um, Daryl, in terms of, yeah, your training interruption, what when did you decide to enter the backyard ultra? And at what point did you sort of, going into the event, start to think, oh, geez, maybe I haven't lined myself up for success here? Uh, so I started to think about the event um, watching you do loops last year. <laughs> um, so I talked about it. I think it was Andrew and myself, Simon, and a couple others that talked about it on the night that this is something that we'd love to do. And I set myself in that this is something I was going to do. Um, so I think my training was going really well through lockdown and up to the till November. And then after the the hamstring strain things started to fall apart a little bit then uh found it really hard to get back out and run the same distance that i needed and then um yeah just all just got a bit too hard i think and then i think coming back because i had a goal that i'd like to try and get 100 kilometers as well but then that changed once my training fell away um and then even two weeks out i wasn't sure i'd get to to 10 loops but i really wanted to get to 10 loops that was you know, my baseline goal yeah so in terms of, so I was there, you know, as well. I thought the event itself was was run pretty well in terms of the way that Trails Plus have set it up, yeah. What was it like in terms of COVID restrictions sort of, what uh, what was the, was there a major difference in atmosphere from last year and other races that you've been to like? Of this well, you weren't there, so it was quieter. Oh, so that was good. Oh, it was much quieter. I will fight mm. all of you. There <laughs> yeah. was there was actually a couple of people asking where you were and when we were starting recording. So it was... um. I think that was a good thing. They remembered us. That's cool. Um, but I think this year, so Brett changed the start area a little bit. So we had a different, we moved about 100 or 150 metres back up the road. And it was a much better location. It was, um, I think it was a friendlier, you could fit more people in the area. So it was, there was more going on, which is good. There was a lot more people this year as well. Last year was um, 20 odd people. This year was 56. 56. So almost double the size of last year's event. And everyone had their own marquees this year. So we had a little marquee that the three of us were in with, with Nicholas' support team, which we'll get to in a second, plus everyone else uh, had individual marquees as well. And, and do you think that that's because it's just more widely known, this event, or is it? do you think because people are just like itching to get to some kind of event this year? Or column A, column B, probably? Yeah. Last year being only 24 hours, we learned at the briefing for this year that the only reason it finished at 24 hours last year is because the guy who finished second had a 48-hour race to do the next week. Right. So he could have kept going. And so the two of them could have kept going. But I think a lot of people, a lot of the really elite runners went, geez, we could have done 24, no problem. So coming into this time, there was a lot of, like so many more people were past the 100 than last time like there was still 30 people running past 100 k's yeah. whereas last year there was about 12 maybe what did the winner do this year 35 35 hours the winner did 37 laps 37 uh 241 kilometers that's crazy which is a lot yeah and he still looked <laughs> fine to be honest he's great um my internet's like junking itself today that's all right do you have any other questions andrew <laughs> i don't at the moment no <laughs> Because I've missed the last 30 seconds. <laughs> so to Nicola um, and Daryl, being on the start line, being in the pen for the first time, what was it like? Because uh, for me, it was like, oh, deja vu, I'm back again. Like I still see that Brimbank loop in my sleep when I close my eyes sometimes. But for the two of you stepping into that pen for the first time, how did you feel? Uh, I was 
still fairly anxious. I still did not anxious as in knotted, but I still was in the unknown. I didn't know how I would do. I didn't know how walking up the hill would make me feel and how tired a lap in those circumstances would make me. But um, I knew I'd done enough to, um, I'd prepared enough. So um, come what may was how I was on the first one probably. Yeah, probably a little bit different for me because I walked into the into the starting pen and I looked around and there's all these fit guys there and I'm looking around going, geez, do I actually really belong in this? Because um, some of the guys, yeah, we're, we're running really well, especially the guys at the front. And oh, we've heard the comment before, Zach, out at you, Yangs, haven't we, that um, I run pretty well for a fat bloke. So, <laughs> so I think, um, you know, I think I felt like I didn't belong there. And then once you started going, you know, the second loop and the third loop, I started to settle down a bit. But yeah. Uh, I think once you're not the first one to drop out, and unfortunately with these events, people often do drop out early because of injury, and we saw mm. that with this time. But it is a bit of a confidence builder. As I said to one of the people who was helping Dickler out, we're going to build our confidence through the misery and suffering of others. <laughs> so every time someone drops out, we want to know about it so that we can less. just sort of, yeah, one less for us. That's kind of like a dark view, but I like it. Yes. And by the way, for the record, I, I am not the person who's called Daryl Fat when we were running at New Yangs. That was someone else. That was not me. So... And I think it was actually, it was actually meant as a compliment, but yeah, we'll see. Back, yeah. back, backyard. So, Nicola, how tired were you after one lap? Because Daryl, you've ran the course before. You've done the Brimbank uh, Trails Plus course before, helping me prep for last year. So you kind of knew what a lap felt like. But Nicola, how did you feel after one lap? I was really surprised at the time that I came in. So I think I came in at the forty-eight, and it was like, oh. And even with my um, support team, we keep referring back to that. We will have to get to that. Um, um, I'd said to them, I expect to get there at 48 to 50. So that was where our intentions were. So every time I was less than that, it was like, oh, this is a, you know, a, a surplus, a credit in the box. Um, but I wasn't pushing it. And I was trying to make sure after that first lap to learn that actually I could go slower. Um, it was probably the biggest learning. Um, yeah, it was, I, I was happy after that first lap. Yeah. Let's talk about your support crew because last year I had Daryl and Andrew in terms of, you know, making sure I remember stuff like eating and drinks and all that sort of thing. Um, you went beyond that with your support crew. Um, yeah. You know, um, do you want to uh, run through exactly the approach you took for prep on this? Because, Andrew, I think you are going to be amazed at the military precision with which Nicola ran this. There's a reason that the British Empire ruled a large part of this globe for a while. I think you're going to hear. I like it. So um, we keep mentioning Altona Beach, babes. We're an informal group that met all at Altona Beach Park Run um, and have got lots of different stories to tell, um, breast cancer, um, uh, relationship, all those kind of things that you, you bond over. And none of us, are e there's something different about all of us, but together we form a really unique um, interesting group that's so supportive and so you have some that are triathletes some that are um, the two bays they did the two bays and those kind of things and you just want to support each other at everything that you do but you're mindful that you need to do it in their way um, and so I had um, not to get my little um, credit in my column but I'd gone to two bays with uh, Jane and Belinda to do their 
two bays and we went to four of the um support crew um spectator parts to help them to make sure that they were okay and it just kept them motivated so they did that and a couple of weeks ago um selena and kelly did their uh, first triathlon which became a duathlon because of the water um but again supporting them and it was there that i re realized that there was a lot of rah rahing going on and pom-poms from other people and it was like that cannot be me i am not that kind of person that requires that um and we'd been talking about my this um uh, the backyard ultra for quite a while that I was, it was coming up um, and that I'd need a support crew but we kept um, not parking it but it wasn't the important thing at the time and I didn't want to make it everything to them I wanted them to enjoy their events um, and then reading up about what do you want your crew to do and that kind of stuff so COVID's given us a lot of time to read stuff and I found a guy that had done a backyard ultra and he'd set some rules about don't tell me if you're leaving. Don't tell me that um, people are dropping out, which is still helpful. But anyway, um, don't tell me that I'm uh, looking tired or that you're tired that you did, Andrew, last year. Um, those kind of things. Uh, wow, um, shots fired. Yeah. Wow. I didn't say I was tired. I just went to sleep. I didn't say anything. Um, it's he so, didn't tell me he was leaving. He just left. Yeah. Just left. Um, and so we were talking about it and then, they said, right, we need to have a rotor. And so we went met for after my last Brimbank practice laps that I did at Park Run. We met over morning tea um, at Helen's house, um, cake available, coffee, tea, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we had a good chinwag and we talked about it. And they wanted to go in pairs because being female, um, also the gate locked out of ours, which is all a bit of a faff. Um, and they just agreed that they would do sections and that they would sign up to it, but they needed me. The hardest thing I had to do was create the Google Doc um, for them to fill the name in. And then gradually over the next two or three days, um, the, the rotor filled up and there was two one hours of the day that I was going to be on my own. But the rest of the time, there was a four in the morning. Somebody was getting got two, a pair were going to get there. Midnight, a pair were going to get there um, and just support me. And it was just incredible. The other thing that they said is, do you want the rules? Tell us what you want to do. And I said, look, when I write these down, it isn't because I need you to do these things. It's so that you, we're all clear um, and you have asked for these, not that I'm telling you. And so they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we wrote the rules down about how to, what drink I wanted, what, how to do my shoes, all these kind of things. Um, and then they laminated them. I did not laminate the rules. Um, but yeah, they um, were just great. Pip um, and everybody that came out um, just really made sure that I was... Um, at 48 minutes, my drink had been poured. I was able to drink my drink. They gave me my food. They took my shoes off. They made sure the shoelaces could be tied back up really quickly. They made sure I had socks. They took my shirt off if I needed my shirt off. They did my pins in my for my number. All of those things that just go above and beyond. Um, and then I found my hydration vest on the next day and just how smelly and stinky that was. And they were touching it on every lap. It was just incredible. And I just that two extra minutes, three extra minutes that they gave me in prep time, in Zen time, um, probably gave me a couple, three laps, maybe. Wow. Wow. And that's it's it's interesting because I mean when you think about like elite ultra runners they would they would have this stuff as well mapped out 
So we look at it and we might think, wow, that's 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 kind of quirky. But realistically, that's I mean, you're really you're just you're setting yourself up for the best possible um, outcome. Uh, I think when you look around what the others were doing, like the support crews for the other really elite runners, and they might not have had, you know, as many people coming through as Nicola had, they had a very similar organization uh, where there was a bit of a flurry of activity around about the time they knew that their rudder was coming back. Mm. Um, Daryl, do you think you and I sort of uh, had the same sort of routine at the end of every lap? Um, We definitely missed out on our support crew. I'm not sure where Andrew was, but... Um, but no, we, we were able to luck, uh, latch on to Nicola's support crew there for a bit, and they helped us out with a couple of things, which is really nice. So filling up a drink bottle every now and then and, uh, and doing things like that. But we could have definitely used the you know, support that shows me what I need for next year. So. Yeah, I think where we started to fall apart was after a couple of laps. It was like, do you feel like a grape? I don't know. Do you want a grape? Oh, yeah, I guess we'll have a grape. And we weren't really uh, getting on top of that, which is probably your, a... Did you have your roast potatoes? Yeah, we'll get into that. Maybe that's a good segue into, so Daryl, you and I kind of had the same similar experience with this run in terms of why did we drop out after 10 laps? Uh, what do you think uh, was you know, the real root cause for why we only went the, the 60-odd K? Well, I think, um, well, for myself, I know it was just fueling. I just really struggled to fuel after you know, five or six loops. Um, roast potatoes just tasted terrible after five or six loops. The pasta wasn't going down very well. And then uh, we just ran out of strategies from there. I found that also that what I was doing as I was coming in, I was just uh, filling up on a liquid, mm. just Powerade or uh, Cordial, because it just felt like I needed to, I was just sweating so much from the, the heat and the humidity overnight that I just tried to put some fluid back into me, which meant that my stomach was full without e- even eating. So um, I think there's a couple of different things or a couple of things there that I do differently for next time. Yeah, we walked in and I think after the first one or two laps, I was like, I'm eating this stuff too quickly. Like I'm almost halfway through my potatoes and sweet potato. I'm going to run out of food, you know, by about the 10 lap mark. And, you know, what am I going to do after that? I'm going to have to get, like, I remember talking to Daryl and saying, hey, when Donna comes tomorrow morning, do you reckon she could bring some more food? Because I think we might run out at the rate that we're going through it. And then three hours later, to Daryl's point, just couldn't get anything down. Um, Just did not feel like eating Nothing in the uh, the ice chest had any appeal whatsoever. Uh, Fill of, you know, just wanted to drink, basically, like Daryl said, and just couldn't get any food down. And the second that happens, you know, you miss a lap, you come back for the next lap, you're like, oh, geez, I'm a little bit under now, but I still can't eat. Um, I think I got a Coke into me at the start of like lap eight, and that made me feel good for the first loop of the lap. But then after that, I ran out again. Uh, and then the, the final lap, I just had nothing. It was as close, Andrew, as I've come to bonking wow. as I've felt since actually bonking. Um, it wasn't a muscle thing. It wasn't an injury thing. It was just yeah. the car had no petrol in it. Well, it's, it's interesting because last year, I remember like the food was for a long time, really, you were just fine with it. Like yeah. every time you came back, roasted potatoes or, you know, the pasta. Rice pudding or pasta. Yeah. Or what what like was that. Did, what, did you, it was just that you maybe ate too much too quickly is what you're it saying. was much more humid yeah okay. i'd say it was very humid this time and so i think uh prioritizing fluids was a bit of a problem like i probably went too hard on the fluids um and i also think you know realistically i didn't really i wasn't pushing myself to eat and there probably should have been a bit more of like nicola when she landed she had you had what four little tupperware containers set up uh, and there was like a rotation where each lap give me something different 
from this interview and they were like they were putting it in her mouth and they go you will eat this like that was their job the support crew's job was to make her eat and daryl and i were kind of just going on oh well if obviously we're going to be hungry therefore we'll eat well no after a while we didn't feel hungry we felt nauseous yeah. um yeah i think i was only the there was only two of us this year wearing hydration vests as i could see most mm. people weren't using hydration vests and whilst I can get the wearing you down, having another piece of a kit and all that kind of stuff, actually the confidence that you can just take a sip, you can just take a sip, um, was to me, it's it's just how I run. Even a 10K, if it's humid, I'll just wear one. You don't need to worry about anything. And um, I'd, got the, I'd got those hydration, the bladders all set up to just do a quick replacement and stuff like that for the whole day. Um, I did use gels. I used gels on the hill. Um, so the walking part, I would use the gel every time. So already I'm up to 200 calories. Um, yeah. How did that gel work for and, you? Did you feel any jelly belly at all? No, did not, did not yeah. get probably until it was probably my 12th gel on my 12th uh, <laughs> or the 15th lap where I was just like, this is going to be a difficult one to get down. But that was the double espresso caffeine one. So it wasn't a nice one. Um, and yeah, I had a four box thing. I thought you can't get too complicated, you know, too methodical. So I had it so that I had um, a Nutrigrain bar in one um, for one hour. The second hour was savory um, cheese cracker, Jats. Third one was a coconut macaroon, lovely 150 calories to go down really smooth. And then the fourth one was a SIS um, uh, bake bar thing, just because you thought you just needed to get those in. Um, and it just meant none of it was familiar that I, I wasn't, you know, it was four hours before I had another Nutrigrain bar and those kind of things. So, and I had but four it was different stuff you gels. Did during training. So during training, yeah. you've been doing, yeah. So there was a there was one training session that I did get up at three o'clock in the morning um, and went at three thirty to do three laps, then go to Brimbank and then do another three laps. And again, using my chair because we haven't even talked about my beautiful chair. Well, it's a um, throne. Let's be honest. Um, my chair, everything else set up, my flasks all those kind of things. Um, I did, I practiced those twice really. Um, so I knew, I, again, that confidence thing, whilst I may not be the fastest or the tallest or the, you know, the um, strongest, what I'm able to do is just take in that methodical bit and just give myself the confidence that actually I've done it before and it'll work. It's because Daryl, obviously during training, we weren't eating sweet potatoes and potatoes and pasta and rice pudding and stuff like that. In fact, as you said, we hadn't done a fueled run for about two months leading into this event. Yeah, I think we definitely messed that part of it up. <laughs> um, and also to the point, the first thing I wrote when I got back, um, you know, my thoughts for the for next time, what I do differently was the number one was the hydration pack. That was the first thing I wrote down. Now I had mine there, but I just didn't think I wanted to wear it over the course of the event. But that was the, you know, probably the first mistake. Um, just being able to have a drink on the way around would have been an absolute bonus. Um, which is ironic because we've counselled our friend Omar to drink whatever he can, which when we go for a run <laughs> with him, sometimes sends him off like a dog searching for water tanks. So, you know, we, he, we haven't followed the instructions that we've set for others on that one. Exactly, yeah. And then food as well. I think we've talked about it already that we're going out for a run on the weekend and we'll take some food with us just to, you know, put something in our stomachs as we're running just to start that process for next year now. I don't know if we are going out on the weekend. I don't know if you've been seeing in the background. Uh, COVID appears to be flaring up a little bit for us. No, I'm, I'm ignoring it. I'm still going. Five uh, okay. day, let's see when the five-day lockdown starts. Well, you know what's yeah. funny? It's, it's all, the, all the latest kind of news is so sort of 
lost in like everything else that's going on in the world. Like the other day, they were like, dude, masks are mandatory here again. I'm like, when the hell did that happen? They're like, well, it's at midnight at Wednesday. I was like, well, I don't know that. All of Australia's news is broadcasting about what's happening in America. How am I supposed to know what's going on with mm. COVID? Yeah. Anyway. Thank you, Andrew, for that. That was a nice <laughs> little diversion. <laughs> um, so, Daryl, what did you do after you dropped out? Because I followed the Lorenzo model and went and had a nap in your car uh, for a little bit and then popped out and got some food into me. And, and, to, and to Andrew, I mean, to give you the comparison, I felt good enough two hours after finishing and having some food and stuff that I was able to run a little lap with Nicola, feel okay. And this week, my training has been the same as normal. Like I had planned a ramp back up week. I just went straight back into a normal week, normal week of strength, normal week of running. Um, so for me, the muscles and the glutes and the tendons and all that stuff were completely okay. It was, it was the fueling problem. Um, Daryl, you didn't nap. You stayed up and sort of wandered around soaking in the vibe of the event. What was it like during that four o'clock to five o'clock to six o'clock in the morning uh, after not dropping out? Uh, it was actually really good. I just enjoyed talking to the, the guys as they were coming through. So I ended up talking to you. We talked about earlier the two young blokes who were going around in 32, 33 minutes. So I ended up going to talk to them again to see how, how they were going and what, what their strategy was. And one of them said was his strategy was to get to 200 kilometres and see what happens after that. Um, and I ended up speaking to another guy, just um, one of the guys who did it last year. Um, Midzi was his nickname. So I just ended up speaking to him about his strategy. And, and he gave me a really good tip for next year as well, is just to buy a, a large margarita pizza beforehand and have one slice every lap. So That's a great idea. That's a brilliant so idea. That's something to take on board for our training would, run you know, whenever we get out again. Yeah. So, um, But I spent my time sort of researching and just talking to people about things I can improve on for next year. Um, and I spoke to Brett for a little while just to see how his thoughts on the event, and he was wrapped with how it was going. Um, you know, it seemed that even though there was still he was operating under his new COVID normal situation, but it was still running very smoothly. So it was good. Awesome. And what about you, Nicola? So as you were coming back in for laps 12, 13, 14, how hard was it to get out of the chair, this infamous chair that you've mentioned a couple of times? So this chair is one that if you put your legs up, you can you then lie back and people will know from Facebook and all my social media, my feet can get into a right mess with running yeah. um so i knew that my feet were going to be the reason i dropped out more than other things so i have been really good with making looking after my feet and so that was why we were looking after my shoes off every lap and those kind of things um i i would say i was on autopilot i did not ever once go do i have to should i i was in that pen probably a minute before the start sometimes just up i yeah, I wouldn't want to say I could could have gone on for a couple more laps because I think that would say it was it. But I don't think I was ever at that point where I had to drag myself into the pen. Um, I was probably um, 12, 13. I was beginning to think, oh, um, have I given enough credit to Daryl and Zach for doing 60K? Because this conversation's about that you dropped out at 10 laps and all that kind of stuff. Actually, 10 laps is a bloody long way. And um, I think that was probably some of my thing was um, the, making sure you could support or at least appreciate that everybody had done stuff. And there was one guy only after the event that um, I've followed on Strava because everybody knows I'm a Strava stalker of people. Um, he did 42K 
but six weeks ago he had um pins put in his ankle and he still did 42k and I just think everybody went into that event with completely different aims and goals and background and everybody should appreciate what they got done so I kind of like I put on record that I think Daryl and Zach did an amazing job and I don't think they should be discouraged by what they did I think that's really important to do um my other thing was when I was getting to the pen, I was feeling really guilty about my team of my support crew and making sure I thanked them enough. Um, and I can just, you know, cause you were just getting up and running and then you go, they've just got up at four o'clock in the morning to, and they're seeing you for eight minutes a lap um, and those kind of things. So just making sure that, um, yeah, that I was not grateful to the point of ridiculous, but making sure that people realize that we did appreciate what they were doing for us. Cause it was amazing. That must be nice because like when you're there for 13 out of 15 laps for somebody and then all they remember is when you fell asleep, that sucks. <laughs> um, how important was the park run lap for you, Nicola? Um, oh, yes. How do we forget park run? So I was pretty cute um, the three weeks that park run opened before the event and I did park run twice um, to experience the hill um, and also to do with some extra laps. Um, and then on the third week, I did tail walker. So I got to know quite a lot of the um, the organisers and the regulars and that kind of stuff. And they knew about the event. Um, plus a lot of half of nearly all my support crew decided to do um, a part run as well. Those that weren't my crew. Plus Jenna was there from Point Cook Runners and um, us. And just going past where they were, which was near the loose, um, six times per lap and just being cheered on and supported and uh, and just doing it and then I made sure I wore my part run t-shirt for those laps um and so when I was doing the event everybody's cheering cha rah 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 um and those probably those three laps were probably why I still feel maybe I wasn't because I just remember the happiness mm. my w- was just amazing um and just um I can th- almost feel skipping through those three laps uh, yeah. of just it's happiness. like going into the mcg uh and having the whole thing cheer for you as you come in it was, yeah. it was like yeah those 50 60 people just going nuts for it yeah it was great and so daryl how have you pulled up so what's your we're, we're about a week on now um from the actual event how have you pulled up yeah i think i've pulled up really well like we've been and did a 14k run up hills on the, the yangs on wednesday tuesday so only what, two or three days after the event and I did a sprint session last night at track. So I feel like I pulled up fine. So again, for me, it didn't feel like it was a, the legs weren't going that well. It was more of a, um, a fueling issue for me. And what about you, Nicola? What's the last week looked like in terms of rest and recovery? Rest and recovery, a uh, 5k walk on Sunday. Um, to get an ice cream down to not a problem but just to see how we we're doing Monday was a cycle um, and then Tuesday I went to WinFit track and just did a 5k um, a soft recovery run around the um, track Wednesday I did another 5k but just local so on the hard roads again but taking that one steady and then yesterday was probably my fail, but I knew it would be. Um, again, as I've said, I have structured training. So despite all this, I'm still doing the Greg McMillan Garmin Coach 5K um, training program to get me to a 
PB for my 5K. And so he wanted a time trial yesterday um, and trying to run fast and all that kind of stuff. Plus it was 30 degrees. Not a great um, day for it. Um, it wasn't a great day for it, but I wasn't that far off and he hasn't chucked a strop at me. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Right how about you, Zach? Oh, for me, yeah, I just, I ran. As, as you said. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I ran 14Ks with Daryl around the Yu Yangs on Tuesday. I went back on Wednesday and ran hill repeats with Mark uh, on, on Wednesday. I did strength sessions on Monday and Wednesday night. Um, so deadlifts, overhead presses, same weight as I was doing um, beforehand. Uh, body no. feels fine yeah i'm looking forward i was looking forward to a big weekend this weekend but uh if we're back in stage four lockdown well i guess we'll see what happens there we so are. we are i just saw that post pop up as well yeah um so what's next in terms of events daryl and nicola what's up for you daryl um well depending on lockdown i guess but my next one is a i'm doing the warburton um i run out at warburton for just a was it a 50k so that should be fun yeah and what's the the big hill in that one is something ridiculous, isn't it? It looks pretty nasty. I think it's <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty nasty. So I've seen a photo of it today, and I'm just looking at it going, yeah, those that looks pretty steep. There might be walking poles on that one. So um, we've just shared that with Omar and Simon because they're coming out to run with me, and I think the boys have just uh, reconsidered what they're doing that weekend. So. <laughs> So you've got some spare tickets and spare beds. Um, there might be two spare spots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Nicola? What's next on the calendar? Well, up until two minutes ago, um, it was being the tail walker for the suns uh, for the Port Arlington uh, Bell uh, Bellarine Sunset Series 21k. So I thought a nice walk for 21k would be great. Um, that's off um, Sunset Series, but probably my big events. Um, I want to get a good time at the Geelong Half. Um, that was one of them. I've then got the six hour at Coburg. So I've got 38 events booked. So we'll just see what happens. Three, eight, 38? 38. I was yeah. about to ask Lorenzo, did your video freeze or were you just stuck in that position of <laughs> astonishment for like 10 I, seconds? There? Actually, it did freeze, but I was also in that position for like 10 seconds because I was astonished. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on the Facebook. That was a fantastic clip. <laughs> um, yeah, so 38 events. So Coburg, six hours. Um, Sometimes I think, should I go up to the 12 hours? But I want to just look after the body. But yeah, absolutely. The big one is the Clint Eastwood. I want to um, do that in August and do um, myself and Victoria because the place is a um, booked out, um, a good um, outing and it's flat. Um, so that'll be interesting. Does that cause even more harm just because you're not using different muscles? Um, have you got a different strategy for the different, uh, course, all that kind of stuff I've got to work through. Um, but those are the three biggies at the moment. Awesome. Right on. Well, Andrew, is there any other question you wanted to ask to the dynamic duo about their experience or next steps or life in general? Trio. No, I, I'm, I'm really excited <laughs> to see what, what happens um, in your in your next couple of races. I'm excited to I'm excited to hear about it. And, um, you know, hopefully everything kind of can go ahead. But yeah, as, as Nicholas said before, I think, you know, big congratulations to all of you for, for doing everything what you've done. Uh, it's no small feat to go out and run. As, well, it doesn't matter the distance running overnight, first off, uh, and then adding a long distance to that. Kudos, bravo. I think that that's amazing, extraordinary. And above and beyond what 
some would say possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, well done to the two of you. And thanks for finding the time to join us on Breaking the Barrier. Uh, as always, folks, if you are interested in following along, check us out on the socials. We've got the, uh, we don't have Twitter, do we? We've got Instagram and Facebook. We can't yeah. afford Twitter. Um, that's okay. Donations welcome. <laughs> um, but follow us along on Instagram and Facebook. And is, is Melbourne Superman back, Andrew? Melbourne Superman is back. Melbourne Superman is back. Uh, he has been resurrected. <laughs> Excellent. So you can follow along on Breaking the Barrier or Melbourne Superman to get a, your daily dose of Andrew. Uh, apart from that, thanks again, Daryl and Nicola. Uh, Andrew, over to you. Well, look, uh, I, I mean, I, that's a tough act to follow. I think Zach pretty much perfectly summed up everything. Um, look, everybody, just know that even though COVID is still here, that restrictions might still be coming. There are still opportunities to train, still opportunities to push yourself and you know, you can set those goals. Maybe they're delayed, but don't stop setting them. They're always there and they're always attainable. If you, like Nicola does, have a great routine, like Daryl does, makes a plan for the next time, and like Zach does, makes fun of his co-host, there are times, <laughs> there are good times ahead. So look, thank you all so much for listening to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where Zach and I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible, and we will catch you next time.